We're going to get right into this this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn them, open them up to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be dealing with the last part of this chapter. We're going to begin in verse 12 and go down through verse 20. The title of this sermon is Liberty in Christ. Liberty in Christ. And if you would, if you've got your place in there, would you stand with me if you're able to? And uh, we're going to read the scripture and then we will get into this. Paul writes and he says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Foods for the stomach and the stomach for foods. But God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God has, and God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Father, this morning as we come before you, I pray, Lord, that you would look down upon us and help us, Father, that that God today, that, that, that... where we might have grown numb and to, to the truths that we're going to look at today, that I pray that you would awaken us, Lord, that you would make our hearts tender, that, God, that we would be able to see more clearly and understand the seriousness, Lord, of, of the subject that we're going to be dealing with today. I want to pray for those that aren't with us for whatever the, the various reasons may be. I want to lift up Brother Virgil today and ask you, Father, to be with him as he's sick. We ask you, God, that you, for your mercy there. For Miss Pat this morning, we pray, God, for her recovery, her health, her healing, Lord, that she would be strengthened. And Lord, I ask you, God, to be with any others, Lord, that might be at work or whatever it may be. And I pray, God, that you would please watch over and just protect each one. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, this morning, we've got i got three points to this sermon. Now there's, anytime you're doing a sermon, you could probably give several points, you know, more or whatever. But I'm going to break it up into three, into three sections. Verses 12 and 13, we're going to call it liberty. That we have liberty or freedom in Christ. And then, actually uh, 12 through 14. And then 15 through 18... We're going to look at what we would call licentiousness. 
And licentiousness is where we take liberty and we abuse it. And especially in the area of sexual immorality. And then in verse 19 and 20, we're going to be looking at the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So when we begin, if you remember last week, we looked at the very last of this and Paul began to tell them in verse 9, he says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he says, Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. And then he goes on with some more lists. But those, those in that list right there were all dealing with sexual immorality. But he, but he started that list with, do not be deceived. Those words are not just there just to take up space. Paul didn't write them to just say, hey, just remember to not be deceived. You have to remember that in the, in the city of Corinth, this city was probably the most vile city in all the Roman Empire. If you remember, and, and we haven't talked about it in a while, but there was a, a saying that went about that to, Corinthian, to Corinthianize was to indulge in gross sexual immorality. If somebody was to call you a Corinthian, it was not a positive name they were giving you. It was, it was a name of the worst kind. Now, in the beginning of chapter 5, we're looking at immorality where a guy would, would marry his father's wife, probably his stepmom, if, if, or just be with her, but however it was. And he says, look, even, even the Corinthians, the unbelieving, the pagans, even they look down on this. And, and so then we look at some other things, but he comes back to this. And here's what I think is going on. I think these Corinthians were drifting back into what they were coming, had come out of. And in Corinth, there was the temples there, and they had what we call the cult prostitutes. They would go to their services, and part of that dealt like with things like orgies and such. They had prostitutes that were... They, that they served and worshipped false gods in a manner like that. Now I know this is kind of a touchy subject, but listen to what he says in verse 12. He starts off, and this, for most commentators, feel like this was kind of a saying of the day. All things are lawful for me. But Paul's response is, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me. But I will not be brought under the power of any. Today, we, we hear things like that. Um, you ever heard the saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Whether you're in Vegas or not, people, when they want to go do something that is sinful, we'll all say that and laugh like, you know, what happens here? We're not going to tell anybody. It's all okay amongst friends. Uh, you know... Paul was actually accused in Romans chapter 3 that, you know, it's like, well, let me just read what he actually said or what was said about him and what he taught. He said, because that Paul taught grace and that we could not do anything to merit uh, salvation and it wasn't based on our works for salvation, people were going to say this, well, let us do evil that good may come. It was actually being taught that 
if, if the backdrop of our sin made God look that much glorious, then let's just make it as dark as possible. Let us just keep on sinning that God would be even me, be more glorified. You know, when you look at a diamond under a light, they always put a black velvet cloth behind that diamond. Well, if you have a white cloth, it don't stand out as much. So, hey, let's just sin all we can, right? In Romans 6, there in chapter 1, he's, they say this, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Certainly not. He's saying, people are saying, well, all things are lawful. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Think about the things we just read. Was it lawful? Was there a law forbidding a man from marrying a woman? Let's say this man's wife had died and then he married her. Was there anything against the law that said he couldn't do it? Well, maybe not. I don't know what the laws were, but you could look at today. There's no law prohibiting that if somebody's wife has died and it was a guy's stepmom. But, but is, it, is it helpful? Is it beneficial? Is it going to build up and profit? Not just you, but those who are believers with you? You know, see, when we, when we talk about this, like all things are lawful, there's many things, even in our culture today, that we could say, what's well, not against the law to do it? But the question you have to ask yourself, is it beneficial? Is it profitable? Is it, is it going to help or is it going to hurt the situation? We could look at things like, we got casinos everywhere in Oklahoma, don't we? Well, is it against the law to go gambling? No, no, there, there's no, now you've got to be of age to go in there, but you can go in there and you can take your hard-earned money and you can go gamble. But here's the question. Does it build up you as a member of the body of Christ? Does it build up the body of Christ? Let's think about it for a moment. You're taking your money and you're going to go throw it into this hoping to get 10 or 20 fold, right? But most of the time, listen, those places aren't there because they're losing money. They're, they're there because they're getting a lot of money. So all the, the, the commercials you watch where people are just so happy and they're not showing you the 1000 that are over their crime because they just spent their paycheck. May not have gas money to come home. So is it beneficial? Does it help? You can think of things like that. You know, you can think of like, the, what are the things that would be questionable today? Well, we can look at things like, is it, is it good? Is, is it lawful? To drink alcohol. Yes, it is lawful if you're of age. But is it beneficial? Well, that depends. There's wine that is good for the heart. It's good for your health. They even say that just drinking like a beer is, is pretty good for you. But what can go wrong? Well, people can go overboard with it and they can become drunk and they can become addicted. The same thing with tobacco. Now, honestly... I don't know of one benefit in tobacco. There, there's not one. If you try to smoke, I mean, you may do it, but I'm just telling you my experience. I thought I was going to die when I tried smoking. I mean, I thought it was seriously over. Pretty much a close second was when I tried uh, dipping, you know. Uh, told everybody, yeah, this, is what I, this is the brand I use. And next thing you know, we're throwing up on Main Street in Shawnee. And I'm thinking, I don't think they really dip either. Dizzy and about to fall over. 
There's a lot of things that are lawful, but the question you have to ask yourself is this. Is it going to help me, not just in my life, just like in a physical nature, but is it going to help me in a spiritual nature too? There's a lot of things like that that we we could look at. Um, When you look at... Now, now when I'm talking about things that are that are lawful, okay, that even the Bible would not necessarily condemn these things. It would you take drinking, it does condemn getting drunk. It does condemn putting a stumbling block in front of a weak brother that could not handle that. That would be sinful. So you gotta weigh all these things out, but but we live in a time where there's a lot of things that are lawful. Go to Vegas, prostitution's legal. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? What about homosexual marriages? In many states, now I'm going to tell you that's an oxymoron. Okay? God is the one who gave us marriage, He's the one that defined marriage. Marriage is between one man and one woman. That's the definition of marriage. But according to the laws of our lands in many of the states, I don't know if it's legal everywhere. Maybe it is. But you could say, well, it's, it's, it's lawful for me to do this. Okay, now we're in another category. Because now we're in the, in the category of the things that the Bible absolutely does condemn. What about, what about transgenderism? Things like that. What about if, if a man that says he's a woman and he wants to go to a lady's restroom? Well, the law says in many places that's permissible. You can't say anything against them. So you see, we can take this thing, all things are lawful to me, but are they beneficial? Now I can tell you this, you're going to have to separate the category of the things the Bible does not say is necessarily sin and the things that the Bible says are sin. If the Bible condemns it, I can tell you this, I don't care what our laws allow, the law of God trumps all of those. Okay, So those are just flat out sinful. So, But let's look at the next one. Paul says again, he said, all things are lawful to me. But I will not be brought under the power of any. Can I tell you something? Anything that you're doing that has control over you is wrong. Anything. Okay? If, if, it, if it has got you in a place where you don't have control over it, but it has control over you, it's wrong. Paul says, look, I'm not, he says, look, I can, I can go do things, but it's not going to control the way I live. And I can tell you this, every person I have ever talked to that has an addiction, whether it is tobacco, whether it is alcohol, whether it is a, a smoking like marijuana, whether it's a gambling addiction, whatever it is, and let me just say this, marijuana is legal. It's lawful to do that. You could throw that in that category. But what's the motive? What's the purpose? Is it beneficial? Is it helpful? But back to this, I have never met a person yet that did not tell me that, no, I could stop this anytime I want. 
That's really easy to find out. All you have to do is try to stop and see what happens to you. Your mind becomes consumed with these things. And Paul says, look, I'm not going to let any of these things have control over me. Let's don't, let's don't forget this one. Here's one for you. And this, Baptist, be careful right here. Because we, like we like our Baptist fellowship, right? Chicken style. You go to a buffet. It's amazing all the sins we'll talk about, but we don't want to talk about that one that starts with a G. That one called gluttony. I mean, this is, hey, this is fellowship. This does not qualify as being a glutton, right? No, even, listen, anything that takes over your life in a manner that is not helpful but harmful and is, you don't have control over it, but it has now control over you. Church, I'm telling you, these things are wrong. Now, Paul is talking about this because the next verse tells us this. And this is all under that we have liberty. Listen to what, I'm going to to read something to you over here in Galatians just real quick. In Galatians 5, just kind of get you an idea of this liberty. In, in, In Galatians 5, verse 1, it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Some of your newer translations says it like this. It is for freedom that you have been set free or made free. What's he saying is is this. He's saying that Christ came to set you free and now you're free to do as you want. The problem is, what is it that you want? What is it that you desire? Okay? Now, he goes on and he says, do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Skip down to verse 13. He says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So when he's talking about all things are lawful for me, he's not saying that you can do whatever you want. There's no consequences. But Ron, I thought that once we're saved, we're saved. Oh yeah, you hear that one a lot too. Once saved, always saved. We're all going to sin and come short. Party on, right? No, that's not what he's saying. Picture, if you will, for a second, a man that commits a crime and he goes to court, he's found guilty, and he goes to prison. He serves his time, he's rehabilitated, and then they come to the day and they say, you are now set at liberty. You are free to join back in to society as a productive citizen. Does he have the freedom to go back out and continue committing the same things that he did prior to what got him put in prison? That's not the liberty that we're talking about. We're talking about this. You are free to to do everything that God has given us to your heart's desire, to your heart's content in the Lord. That does not include sin. It does not include sexual immorality. Okay? Verse 13 says this. It's another little saying that was common. Foods for the stomach and stomach for the foods. You know what he's saying? Just a natural thing. Sexual immorality is just like 
You get hungry, man, that food's for the belly, and the belly is for food. You, you, think, you think, well, how does that really apply? I can tell you a true story that about 15 years ago, this self-proclaimed preacher was on a traveling preaching trip with other preachers, self-proclaimed, I'll have to say it like that. He goes to this place in several states away, and there's a... Now, this man is married. His wife is not with him. While he's there, there's a lady there that kind of has, has an eye for him. Well, they had some different kind of fellowship. I'll just have to say it like that. On the way back, it's discovered what he's done. You know what he said? It's no different than a bowel movement. It's just a bodily function. You got to eat, you got to eat. You got to fornicate, just fornicate. This isn't in the Corinthian days. This was just 15 years ago or so. 20, something like that. People today are just like this. They're like, you'll see, you'll see young Christians. I've heard of, I don't know what it is about youth pastors, but I've heard this a number of times. I'm not trying to pick on them guys, but I've heard of a number of them where they were engaged in living with their fiance. Under the guise of like, well, we're getting married anyway. It's all okay. No. No, it's not okay. Yes, food is for the stomach and stomach for the foods. Do you know that food does not affect your body really in a bad way unless you overeat, I guess? But listen to this. He says, God will destroy both it and them. Listen, this body's going to die. It's going, to, it's going to go to the grave. But he says, now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. This body that you've given, whether you like it or not, well, you know, it's, it's the one that God has given you. Listen to what he says in Romans chapter 12. Listen to this. I beseech you, Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. The next word is holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. That's, he says that's the bare minimum. That's just what, that's not radical Christianity. That is you as a Christian. Taking this body and serving God in an acceptable way. He says a living sacrifice. Meaning like Paul says, I die daily. He uses the word holy. Holy means that you are separated from this world. Separated from the sin of this world. Separated unto God. And God is separating you for His Service for his purpose, for his mission, if we would say it like that. That's what he's talking about. Now, look at this. He says, Not only is our, bod our bodies not for sexual immorality, but it's for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. God is going to use you, He's going to use your mind. He's going to use your physical gifts, your the, the abilities that you have. 
He, is, he has filled you with His Spirit. And this body is what He's given us to serve Him. He is our head. He is our Lord. He is the one that we look to. We are joined to Him. Now look at this. God has both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. We need to understand that for us to be Christians, Jesus died on a cross, was put in a tomb, and three days later, God raised Him from the dead. A bodily resurrection. It was for His justification. It was for, to be declared, I mean, it was for our justification. It was the declaring that He is the Son of God. He is the Anointed One. He was the Messiah that came to deliver His people. He says, this same God that raised Him up is going to also raise us up. We're going to get rid of this body and we're going to be given a glorious resurrected body. Folks, listen. We're not to go through this life just like I've been saved. I know I can't lose my salvation. You know, it doesn't matter if I sin or not. Now, I will, I will say this. If you're truly born again, there, you're, you're going, you are going to go to heaven. If you've truly been saved, you've truly been born again, you cannot lose your salvation. But you may get there by the skin of your teeth. You may get there, though, as by fire. The way, depending on how you want to live, we have to get it in our minds of who the Lord is. And I'm getting ahead of my points here now. Let me get into the second point, licentiousness. Probably should have started it actually up there in that, those verses, but he, starts, he's, he begins to ask a series of questions here. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Over here, we're going to get to it in a little while, but in 1 Corinthians 12, 12, he says, For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. And for by one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Listen, he says, Do you not know that your bodies are the members of Christ? And he asked a question. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? What a question. Well, everybody's doing it, Paul. This is Corinthian. This is Corinth. I mean, everybody's doing it. It's not that big of a deal. Isn't that what we're taught today? We're, we're told today. I mean, we see it. We, we may not be told. Well, sometimes we're just, it's just flat said that way. But think about the culture that is, you know, the entertainment culture. Let's just take that. Everything we're bombarding ourselves with on TV and such, it's all okay, right? It's okay to commit adultery. It's okay to, to, to commit fornication. It's okay to commit homosexuality. It's all okay. The question is this, shall I take, shall I take the members of the body of Christ And make them members of a harlot. 
Certainly not. The old King James, I like it the best. God forbid. God forbid. I want to ask you a question. Maybe what we need to do is to bring this down just a a step that maybe helps us understand a little bit more. In verse 16, he says, Do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. I want you to think, if you're a husband, if you were to come home and find your wife with, with another man, or if you're a wife and you was to find your husband with another woman, joined the two as one. I mean, that's about as gut-wrenching of a thing that can happen in a marriage. I want you to think about this. Sexual immorality, I'm not going to say it's the, the, the sin of all sins. I mean, I'm not going to make light of it, but what I'm going to say is this. It's, it's unlike other sins in the fact that it's it's pertaining of two bodies becoming one flesh. The reason I put it that way is this. You are a member in the body of Christ. And when you do this act, you are taking the body of the member of Christ and you are joining Christ to a harlot in a, in, a, in a spiritual way of saying that. It's kind of hard to get a real grasp for me on this, but I can tell you this, that when we step out, it's as though we were, it's like, as though we were giving ourselves to a false god. We are bowing down and worshiping and idolizing something that is not for us. It is not lawful. I don't care what laws of the land may say. We are in gross, gross sin before the Lord. And I don't mean, I mean it is disgusting, but I mean gross in the, in the, in the fullest definition of that term. It is vile. It is repulsive. It is horrendously ugly. I, I, think, I think this. We have been saturated so much with this. How many, how many movies have you watched or you saw? Whether they, whether they showed things or not, it was a marriage that wasn't too good. Husband wasn't too great. Wife was suffering. And a stranger comes to town. He's a nice guy. And you find yourself pulling... And rooting for her to leave her husband and go with this stranger. Now, they can, they can paint the story how they want and it pulls on your emotions and your affections to be cheering for what God says is sin. Now, if the story was written in a Christian way, you might have somebody saying, hey, I'd like to invite you guys to church. I'd like to... Talk to you. I mean, there would be something maybe like that, but it's always painted in a way that we're cheering for what is wrong because of the way it's portrayed. Can I tell you something? If you're married and you've been married for any amount of time, there's some point in your marriage you have struggled. 
Aren't you glad that the way they portray this stuff, that that stranger did not come your way in life? Think about this for a moment. If we understood how much this grieved the Spirit of God, if we understood how God views sexual immorality, but it's nothing, isn't it? I mean, it's just, it's just like it's just going to happen. I was visiting with a man years ago. <clears throat> about my age, we had kids about the same age. We were discussing things. We didn't let our, our kids date when they were in high school. We didn't let them date. I can't tell you that they, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say they were perfect kids. They were good kids, but definitely. But, but they, we, they weren't allowed to do that. And this man says, well, Ron, you know, we all done those things. And it's kind of hypocritical for us to tell them they can't do what we probably did. No, it's not hypocritical. That's called good parenting. That's, that's called trying to teach them the truth. That's what that's called. I had a, had a young lady. It was my oldest daughter's best friend in school. And we, we saw her the other night at a basketball game. She lives in Texas now. And she came up and gave us a hug. I mean, she'd been in our house you know, numerous times. And she was always a good kid in school. And she seems to be a very... Very beautiful, godly woman today. She's got a great husband, got kids. I mean, just seems to be doing great, serving the Lord. And she came up and she said, I've wanted to apologize to y'all for so long. She's kind of laughing. I said, what for? And she said, when y'all were raising your kids, she said, you know, you wanted to do things a certain way and we were just always against that. And she says, and now... I want to be like you guys. She told my daughter the other day, she said, when I think about all of these people, she said, I think about your mom and I want to be like her. Now, I want to tell you something. At the time, I was not Mr. Popularity, okay? Parents hated me. Kids hated me. I mean, I was just ruining my kids' life, right? You see, the thing of it is, church, this stuff is so entrenched in our in our culture that we've grown numb to this it's just accepted my prayer is that god would wake you up today to realize that not only listen not just for your kids not just for these little ones but for you yourself that it becomes that it becomes exactly to you the way that god sees this stuff all things are not lawful and okay. All things are not lawful and, and beneficial. What do you think this stuff does to a marriage? It destroys homes. It destroys lives. It destroys trust. It destroys, destroys, destroys. It is, there's nothing good about it. Nothing good about it. Culture has bombarded us. We, we, we allow our children to dress in, in ways that just attract every wrong motive possible because God forbid that our kids would look like a dork, you know. 
I mean, I'm, listen, teachers, I am in big-time favor of school uniforms. I guarantee I am. Let's all put them in a uniform. Seen it in Ireland. It works pretty good. No, we want to dress in a certain way and make our children look a certain way, and it's everything about it is the wrong motive. The wrong motive. The last point of this is this. It's the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Verse 17 says this, But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. He says this, he says, Flee sexual immorality. When you hear that flee sexual immorality, if Joseph doesn't come to your mind, he should. Because when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, come over here with me, come over here and be with me. She grabbed his garment, trying to pull him to her, and he wiggled him way out and he ran. He, he fleed the situation. Flee sexual immorality. Now listen, in every form of it, whether it's on your television, whether it's on your phone, your computer, whether it's coming, you know, in, in, a, in a physical way, no matter what it is, flee fornication. I'm going to go back to this. This is that thing that, you know, we think, oh, well, nobody knows this. And you hear this all the time. This isn't hurting anybody. If these two people want to live together, it's not hurting anybody. Yes, it is. I, I can promise you this. If God designed... Listen, God wants you to have freedom and intimacy. But He gave it to only two people. And they're married to each other. He says, I want you to have liberty. Enjoy each other. No, it does hurt. It not only hurts you, because you are failing to see the picture of Christ and His bride. We're not some harlot to the Lord. The bride of Christ is not some harlot. The bride of Christ is His bride. She is chosen. She is beloved. She is, she is cherished and nourished. And, and, he, and he, does, he gives us all these blessings. We're not just some floozy out there. Listen. He... He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with Him. Listen to what he says in, 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 uh, in, in John chapter 14. Listen to this. Judas, Jesus is talking to them about well, the Spirit coming and all this. And Judas, not, not Iscariot, but he said, Judas says, to him, he says, Lord, he says, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Okay, now listen to this. These things I have spoken to you. 
while being present with you. He says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Listen to that. He, those that love him, those that love him, those that keep his commandments, he says he will make his abode with us. It's like the father, I mean, the son is dwelling in the father and the father and the son. And he says, and we are dwelling in them and they in us. And how is he doing it? By one spirit, he has given us his Holy Spirit. He has He has chosen you. He has made you a peculiar people, a special people. There's nobody on the face of the earth that has the Spirit of God but His children. And He says this, He who is joined to the Lord is one Spirit with Him. Everything that God loves is what you should love, and everything that God hates is what what you should hate. Now listen to me. If, If there's ever a question... Like, I, I don't know if this is right or wrong. Give the benefit of the doubt to the Lord. And I'll go back to this. You can ask two questions. Is what I'm about to do, is it right? You can ask that. There's probably more questions. But is it, does it glorify God? Or does it, does it bring reproach to the name of Christ? Is what I'm about to do, will it build up and strengthen and edify my neighbor or is it going to cause harm and destruction and destroy them? Now you want to know what the Word says on these things. But if you just ask those questions right there, you, you will, you, you'll, you'll escape a lot of these pitfalls. Now listen to this. He says in verse 19, he says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? Now listen to this. Let me back up to 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Oh, I forgot that last part. I'm sorry. Every, every, every sin that a man commits is, is outside the body. And this is a tough verse to try to explain, but every, most every sin that we do, it has to do with something outside us. But when we commit sexual immorality, we're sinning against our own body. What was your body for? Your body was given that you would present a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let me, let me show you something over here in Mark. In chapter 12... He was asked the question. Well, it left me. Maybe it's in chapter 10. I know it's in chapter, I know it's in Mark. Does that help anybody? Here we go. He was asked the the question, uh, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, he said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. Now I'm not going to read the second one, but I want you to get this. He said, With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. 
You are to love God in a manner like that. And he says, listen, when you commit sexual immorality, you're sinning against your own body. Your mind is given to you to love and worship God. Your heart is for the same reason. Your strength, everything about you is given to honor and glorify God. You can have intimacy all you want with your spouse. But you're sinning against your own body. And I don't know the full details, but I know that there's a a spiritual aspect to this. But also in the fact that many of these things bring STDs and things like that. You are destroying your own body. There is a union there that is an unholy, ungodly union that that has been made when you commit immorality like this. Then in verse 19, he says this. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? We are under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Everyone here has been filled with the Holy Spirit your body is a temple. It is a place. It is a, it is a, a place of worship, if you want to put it like that. Nathan's been teaching on what is true biblical worship. Every, you could just sum it up like this. Everything that we do in life, you could take your thoughts, your words, your actions, every place that you take those things, you are to honor, you are to worship God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And listen, he says, and you are not your own. Now, this is the lordship of Jesus Christ. Listen, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Let me read that again. For you were bought at a price. The very price that paid for your salvation was nothing short than the the blood of Jesus Christ, meaning He gave His life for you. To think that we now could take this life, this body that He has redeemed and filled with the Holy Spirit and now take it and use it in such a manner to bring such reproach and shame to the name of Christ. Do you know you don't get to escape that? It's amazing how the world pushes for sexual freedom in every form or fashion, but you wait till a minister gets out of line in an immoral situation and you watch how all of a sudden this world that's okay with everything, yeah, and rightfully so, But you see, when that happens, everyone in here suffers too. If it happens in this church, and it doesn't just have to be the preacher, it can be anybody. Or you go to that church where this took place. Man, it's it's terrible, isn't it? I mean, you want to shout and say, "It's, it's it's not like that. But it happened. Listen, you were bought at a price. That price is beyond our, our comprehension of what God, how the, the life, I mean, the, listen, the Son of God died in your place. Therefore, here is our response. Because He is our Lord, 
Go back to Romans 12. We are to live, we are to offer this body a living sacrifice. We are to glorify God in every aspect of our life. He says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You, you're, under, you're under new ownership. You're under new ownership. Church, can I tell you something? God has given us so much in Christ. He's given us so much liberty, so much freedom to enjoy Him forever. Fulfill every bit of that. Enjoy God forever. Enjoy Him in the good things that He's blessed you with. As you enjoy the things that God has given you, you're enjoying God. But God never once said it's okay to go outside of that and indulge and sexual immorality. Think on these things today. And that sexual immorality, while yes, he's speaking of a physical thing, I don't care if it's your thoughts, I don't care if it's on your phone, I don't care what avenue it is. Flee, flee sexual immorality. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, this this day, God, I want to come before You and I just want to pray, Lord, that You would please, Lord, look down upon us. God, help us that the, the truth and the reality of this would just grab a hold of us in such a way that it would just wake us up, Father. I pray that Your Holy Spirit would work in the hearts of each one. God, this world has been, been just shouting that these things are okay. They're permissible. Oh, God, help us to be the people that you've called us to be in every area of our life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.